0: There's no place we'd rather be than in your presence. One thing have we desired and that will we seek after. That we may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our lives. And behold the beauty. Wow. What does that look like? What does the beauty of the Lord look like? I will dwell. That's the psalmist said in Psalm 27. I will One thing have I desired and that will I seek after, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and behold the beauty. Father, expand our capacity to receive from heaven. Father, change what we hunger for. Mm. Change our appetites, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank oh, you, Father. That we would be worshipers. Mm. That we don't just do worship as a, an event, but we are worshipers. That we would be worshipers, that it would be who we are. Thank you, Father. This morning, if you're a part of First Things First, uh, the scripture reading that we're in right now, and if you're not, you can register on, um, on the Church Center app under First Things First, and right now we're doing about two chapters a day, and we're in the book of Exodus, and today's reading was uh, Exodus 15 and Exodus 16, but in Exodus 15, it's called the Song of Moses, and he says this, it says, then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Hallelujah. I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength in my song. And he's become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! He said, "I will sing to the Lord, for He's triumphed gloriously." Hallelujah! You say, "Well, Pastor, I haven't seen victory yet, so I'm not going to sing yet." No, you, no, you need, to, you need to sing now. You need to sing now. Hallelujah! The, he says, "The Lord is my strength and my song, and He's become my salvation." He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah. Father, we exalt you in this place tonight. Hallelujah. We thank you that you triumph gloriously. You triumph wondrously. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. That the enemies that come against us, I thank you that they are being thrown into the sea. I thank you that what has stood before us will stand before us no longer. Hallelujah, for you are the strength. You are our song, and we will exalt you. We will praise you, and we will glorify you. Hallelujah. Then in verse 9, he says, The enemy said. You know, I don't really care what the enemy says. But it's interesting what happens when when the enemy says something, what God does. Verse 9 says, the enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, and I will divide the spoil. What's the enemy whispering to you? What's the enemy saying to you? He's telling them, here, here they already came through. But yet he says, the enemy says, I will pursue, I will overtake, and I will divide the spoil. And, then he said, and this is what the, the desire of the enemy says, my desire shall be to, to, to be satisfied on them. I will draw my sword and my hand shall destroy them. This is what the enemy says. But then what does God say? What what happens? Then it says, you blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. (laughs) You see, when when the enemy said something, but it said, God, you blew your wind. (laughs) See, the enemy, the enemy is like full of like hot air, but i am tell you God's, I mean God's air, God's breath, God's wind is so much greater. <laughs> you blew with your wind, the sea covered them and they sank like lead. <laughs> Hallelujah. that That's quick. That's fast. That's, that's not like going down slowly. That's like, bam, you're, you're, you're down. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I wasn't planning on reading all this, but then verse eleven says, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who's like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonder wonders? You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed them. You in your mercy have led forth the people whom you have redeemed. Have you been redeemed? Now, what is the purpose of God's redemption? It tells us right here, you have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. Wow. Man, don't tell, tell me there's nothing good in the Old Testament. Don't tell me the Old Testament is past. God's heart's the same, same, same today. Why were you redeemed? Why was Jesus a perfect sacrifice for each one of us? It's for the same thing. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. It's to worship him. Father, we just just give you our lives tonight. We give you our hearts tonight. And we thank you that we get to be in your presence. Thank you, Lord, that you inhabit the praises of your people. Whether we feel you or not, whether we have a goosebump or not, whether we we uh, fall down or not, it does not matter because we know that when we lift our, we lift up your name when we gather in your name. When we say Jesus, when we call upon your name and we worship you, we know we're in your presence. It doesn't matter what we feel. It doesn't matter what we go. It doesn't matter anything by our five physical senses. We know that you're here and you're inhabiting our praises tonight. Hallelujah. Let your wind blow. While we're worshiping you, I thank you that your wind is blowing our enemy out of the way and the enemy is sinking like lead right now. Mm. The mountains will be thrown into the sea. We say mountain, get out of the way and be thrown into the sea. Hallelujah. We thank you for it tonight. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just for a moment, as Joseph begins to play and as... Deborah continues to sing. I I want you to minister to one another. Let the the body minister to the body. Let the church body minister to the body. You don't know what the person to your left or your right may have gone through this week or what they may face tomorrow, but, but be led. I want you to pray for one another. You don't need to stay where you are. You can walk around. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, we praise you, Father. We glorify you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We glorify you. Oh, we bless your name, Lord. We glorify you. Oh, Father, we minister one to another. Hallelujah. As we pray one for another, I thank you, Lord. That strength comes. That strength is coming into the church body, into the church family. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, we praise you. Deborah, I I want you to stretch your hands towards the camera. And I want you to pray over the people that are at home. Hallelujah. Pray over the people that are at home. Hallelujah. Strength. Strength comes. Strength comes. Oh, Father, we are our agreement. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, God, we exalt you. We
1: thank you that you sent your word and you healed and delivered and set us free. By your stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for all of your many blessings in the name of Jesus that the spirit of the Lord is in that place right now and is falling every need, every need supply you say you will supply every need according to your riches in Christ Jesus so father we thank you today we bless you today we magnify your name today hallelujah glory to God glory to God Lord have your way have your way in that house today have your way in that apartment today have your way in the people that are looking today have your way Holy Spirit Feel, hallelujah. Feel. Yes, God. Thank you for your healing power. Thank you for your healing power. In the name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. I pray peace, peace, peace. The peace of the Lord is in this house. And it's flowing, hallelujah Woo, You're Jehovah Shalom uh, Yeah, 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 yeah We exalt thee uh, We
0: Let's look at verse 14. Oh, I can't. Now don't this is this is this is not what I'm teaching tonight, but we're it's this is good. This is good. Verse 14 says, The people will hear and be afraid. Now, what people? Meaning everyone else that heard about what God did to the children of God's enemy. Now listen to this the people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia, meaning the Philistines. I mean the Philistines, the giants, you know, the big guys, they're going to be in sorrow. It says, Then the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. These are all the enemies. These are all people that were enemies of God's people. The chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab, they'll trem- trembling, will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them. Now, listen to this. By the greatness of your arm, they will be as still as a stone. <laughs> wow. That, 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 means, that means that the enemy is taken back. So, the enemy can't even move. The enemy is, it's like checkmate. It's like he, he has no, he is, the, the enemy doesn't even have a play. He, he has to shut his mouth. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Until your people pass over, O oh Lord. Till the people pass over whom you purchased. You purchased. Why did you purchase them? You will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. In the place, O oh Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling. The sanctuary, O oh Lord, which your hands have established. Wow. This is an amazing worship song. Amen. This is the song of Moses. This is the song of Moses. He purchased them. This isn't just speaking to their day. This is speaking to our day. You purchased them. Why? To take them and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. In the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. Now listen to this. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. Let's give him a shout of praise tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. I think this is a song that I think if you're battling something, you're going through something, make this a point. Read this. Sing this song. Sing this song. Let your enemy hear you speak this song. Amen. 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 Let your mountain hear your voice. <laughs> Amen. Sometimes your mountain needs to hear your voice. That mountain needs to hear your voice. Amen. Hallelujah. We'll give them one more shout of praise. Mm. Hallelujah. Amen. We'll greet one another and welcome to Heritage of Faith. Goodness to see them. Mm. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you if if you're not doing first things first, you don't, it's like, oh, well, you're, you know, it's, it's uh, the end of July and I'll start next year. No, you can start any time. And, and every, every morning you'll get a text message and they'll tell you what the scriptures reading are for that day. Like I said, you go to our events page, you go to the church center. It has a picture of me. I don't know why I'm on there, but uh, but uh, it says first things first. And, um, you know, this first of the year we, we came and we had uh, prayer for 21 days Every morning, and we we read the we read through the Gospels, all the Gospels in 21 days, um, and then we went and continued through the New Testament, and now we're um, into uh, Exodus, and um, so uh, we I don't think we'll be able to get through entire entire Bible by the end of the year, but we'll get pretty close. And uh, but it's something you need the Word, the Word. We're a Word Church. You need the Word. You need to feed on the Word. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, my assignment tonight, while I'm ministering this week, next, next Wednesday, we will not have a Wednesday service. Um, we'll be going down to hear um, Jesse Duplantis at the Believer's Convention. He'll be ministering on Wednesday evening, I believe. Um, and then the following Wednesday will be uh, Pastor Carla is going to be ministering. And so she'll be with us. If you don't know who Pastor Carla is, a um, uh, great teacher. Um, she's been with uh, Jerisville Ministries uh, actually lived in Kenya for over 32 years. She, she, hasn't, um, she doesn't have a leading to go back to Kenya, so she's here. Uh, she still runs the ministry there in Kenya, the Montessori school she has, as well as the, the home and all their outreaches there and the church there. She runs from here. Um, and Davies um, is, uh, is overseas and passes the church in, in uh, Nairobi. Um, and um, she still has her, her, her hand on that ministry and talks to them daily. Um, but she'll be ministering. Great teacher. encourage you to be here on that Wednesday. And then the following Wednesday on August 17th, I'll be ministering again. So um, and we've been going through these minister manuals uh, from really teachings that Dr. Savelle did back in the 80s. And, and they're coming out different than the way that Dr. Savell ministered them. because you know, But yet it's still the, the, the root and the substance of the points we're trying to get off or get, get across are, are valuable. And um, we're, um, Wednesday nights is kind of like Bible school, and we're, we're, we're ministering the, we're teaching, we're ministering the, the meat of the word um, so you can go farther, so you can become the leader that God's called you to be um, in your sphere of influence. Amen? And so you have your Bibles tonight, which you should have your Bibles. Um, <laughs> uh, go to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. First Corinthians chapter 9. We may have a phone or an iPad or... Thank you, Father. We'll get here to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. And my assignment tonight is going to talk... I'm talking about going the distance. Going the distance. So before we, we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, you know, my, my favorite verses um, is uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. 11. It says, For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans of peace and not evil. He has thoughts of peace and not evil. God in heaven today, Jesus interceding for you at the right hand of the Father. From that seated position, there's not one negative thought the Father has about you. You say, well, 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 Pastor, you don't know you, you don't know what I've done. Uh, let me say, tell you again, he, there's not one negative thought he has about you. He as he as he looks as he thinks about your purpose, as he thinks about your destiny, there's not one negative thought he has about your destiny and your future. There's not he's not going down a down a list and saying, Well, I have good thoughts about Phil but I don't have good thoughts about Deborah. He doesn't say, okay, I've got evil thoughts about Vic, and I've got good, th- good thoughts about Philip. No, that's, he, there's not one negative thought. He, God has plans for you, and not one of them includes defeat. I, I, it doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It doesn't matter what happened ten years ago. It doesn't even matter what you, you know you might be facing later this week. You have to know that God has thoughts and plans for you for good. They're not evil. He has a fa- final outcome, purpose for you. He has a destiny for you. Can you say that with me? He has a destiny for me. Can you say it with some boldness? He's got a destiny for me. Can you say this with some boldness? He's got plans for me. Say, He's got thoughts about me. me. Say that last thing. "He's He's got great plans for me. But you know what? His plans and His purposes are not automatic. You know, not every person that encountered Jesus ended up following Jesus. It doesn't mean that God didn't have Thoughts for, about them that they, they weren't to follow Jesus. They had a choice. Not everyone that followed Jesus, not even everyone that walked with Jesus continued with Jesus. See, his, his thoughts and his plans for you are what we, in natural understanding, would be your full potential. Heard Joyce Meyer say years ago she had a teaching and it was called um, the Making of a Leader. It was like a back when they had cassettes. It was one of the big ones. It was one of the big ones that you open up and it had like it had like sixteen cassettes, and it was like you know part sixteen and and she had a message in there and it was called reaching your potential. And there's something that she said in and this was this was when, years ago twenty man when I first met her in '99 and before then what I would what I used to do. Is, is I would sit and listen to cassette tapes and and write things down almost word for word. That's how I studied. That's how I got the word in me. It, it just wasn't automatic. So just the the gifts that God has placed in your life, the fullness of those gifts are not automatic. If you never put it in, it's never going to come out. It's the same thing. If, you're, if you don't put the right things in, in your heart, in your life, you'll never always, you'll never make the right decisions that will cause you to go the distance. And she said something about potential when she said this. She said, potential, potential is possibilities, but not positivities. Meaning your potential is all the possibilities that God has the ability to do in your life and through your life but it's not positively because you have a part to play. You have a choice to play. You have, a, you have a part to play in how far you go in God. You have a part to play in how deep you go in God. You have a you have a part to play in how, how much God wants to use you. You have a part to play in how many lives you're going to reach and touch before you go home to meet Jesus. You have a part to play. It's not automatic religion a lot of times just sits back and say okay well it's god is sovereign and whatever will be will be no you have a part to play jesus jesus had to make a choice to go to the cross if he was going to go the distance it had to be his choice to go the distance not his father's choice what makes us think we're any different I want you to know the sky is the limit to what God can do through your life. And even better yet, you're not called to do what I'm called to do and I'm not called what you're called to do. We're not, we're, not, we're not measured on a scale on who reaches more people or who touches more people, who's on TV, who has an airplane, or who has a station wagon in ministry. That, that has nothing to do with. The thing is, is, are you going to fulfill your assignment? Are you going to go the distance in your assignment? Let's go to um, 1 Corinthians 9. Man. Joshua told the sun to stand still. I'm going to tell the clock to stand still. Either I need to speak fast or you need to listen fast. One of the two. But it's still summertime, so kids can or don't have school tomorrow. So. Hallelujah. You're okay, right? If I go too long, you can just go home, all right? And I'll just keep going. Thank you, Father. Verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run but receive the prize, but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain. So we all run in a race. Hebrews chapter 12, verse one tells us, let us lay aside every, excuse me, every weight in sin. That would so easily beset us. Running our race, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith. Faith. Let us run our race. Lay aside every weight and sin that would so easily beset us, and run the race. Run the race. Here he says. He says, know those who run in a race all run. You're running today. Whether you're like, well, right now, Pastor, I'm sitting down in church. No, you're running. Whether you realize it or not, you're running. And there's a prize. There's a prize. When Every day when you wake up, every day when you go throughout the day, you're running your race. You're running your race. When you sit there and read the word, you're running the race. When you're sitting in as church servers, you're running your race. When you're serving, when you're witnessing, when, you, when you're at your workplace, your occupation, your business, whatever it is, you're running your race. But the question is, how are you running your race? Because that's really, it says, run in such a way that you may obtain. Meaning, I can run in a way that I never obtain. Or I can run in a way that I obtain. You know, um, I've not, not always been as tall as I am today. <laughs> Did you believe that? I used to, I, I, I used to be shorter. <laughs> Sorry, doesn't make sense at all. But, but you know, I, I, was, uh, I was like really short. When I was a freshman in high school, I was 4'11 and 85 pounds. I had to gain 5 pounds to get to the 90-pound weight class. And uh, and and then we would uh, we would have um, and also when I was a kid we would do in in PE um, physical education they they would do things that you you it wasn't like you could choose what you're going to do it was like this is what we're doing and so you would do I mean in Maryland we actually had gymnastics we had a lot of different things that we would do and one of the things that we had <laughs> were was track and field and one of the things that I hated where the hurdles is not fair. All hurdles are created the same, but not all people are created the same. I mean, like, Hey, I mean, like drew, I mean, drew is like six foot five. His legs come up to here. So, I mean, he can like step over hurdle. I mean, and the thing is, is like, is like, I have to like I I mean, I I need a step. I mean, and think about it. Even when I'm younger, not even a a freshman in high school, when I'm like in sixth grade. Now, if I was in ninth grade and I was 4'11", how tall do you think I was in sixth grade? And can you, I mean, here I've got, I've got, we've got little Justin, then we got big Justin. There's always another one. And he was always bigger. And here he is running hurdles. And I'm like, this is not fair. I've got to run and jump over a hurdle. This is not fair. But the issue that we have to understand is, is in spiritually speaking, how are we running our race? Are you going to let the hurdles stop you? Are you going to let obstacles stop you? The thing is, is we have to come to a place where we run in such a way, it doesn't matter what hurdles in front of me, I'm going to obtain the prize. I'm going to go the distance. I'm going to reach. I'm going to win the gold medal for me. This isn't, I'm not racing against Pastor Phil. I'm not racing against Vic. I'm not racing against Dr. I'm, I'm I'm running my race. And I have to come to a place where I have to run in such a way that I obtain the prize. Verse 25, And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run this, thus... Not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it to subjection, lest when I preach to others I myself should not become disqualified. What is he saying here? He's saying, Therefore I run this way. I run this way, not with uncertainty. Meaning, meaning there there's certainty, there's there is a there is a confidence. Look at Galatians chapter five. Say, I'm going the distance. Galatians five, look at verse seven. He says, You ran well. Look to your neighbor and said, You ran well. But I mean, but I don't like the fact that he used a past tense word. You ran well. I, I, I like it. I, you run well. He said you ran well. So there's, about, there's something about to come in here that, that uh, the Galatians might not like to hear. You ran well who hindered you. See, it's not about how you start your race, but it's about how you finish your race. You might be great at 100 meters, but if you're in a 400-meter race, you need to be able to do those next 300 meters. Well, he said, well, pastor, I can do 300 meters. Well, you still, it's still not going to cut it. Because you still not a, have another 100 meters to go. He says, you ran well. Who hindered you? From obeying the truth. This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. This persuasion. This persuasion. Another way to look at this word is this exercise. This exercise does not come from him who called you. Meaning that, that the one who called you is not the one who's hindering you. The obstacles that you're facing in life are not from the one who called you. The obstacles that you're facing in life are from the enemy that's trying to get you off the truth. Without, for the sake of time, without going there, First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, what does it tell us? Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But it says, resist him. The enemy is going to come with things that are going to try to get you off the truth. The enemy is going to come with things that will try to hinder you. If you're going to run your race to win the prize, you have to stay focused and avoid hindrances. Satan is all out to stop you, and he'll do everything he can do to keep you from your final outcome. The enemy's desire is to stop you to keep you from obtaining the prize. He will use people, temptations, circumstances, situations, other people, the opinion of others. He will use those that don't share your same enthusiasm about your calling. In order for us to win, it will demand a strong commitment to go the distance. Let me say that again. This is a major point. If we're going to win, if we're going to reach our final outcome, if we're going to obtain the prize... It will demand a strong commitment to go the distance. What is commitment? Commitment is a result of an intense desire that you will do what it takes, that you will do whatever it needs to be done to see things happen. I'm committed. I'm committed to Jerry Seville Ministries. Not because, not, don't have them on a pedestal, because I'm committed because this is part of my assignment. In nineteen in uh, January of nineteen ninety nine, when the presence of the Lord came upon me when I was visiting here, hadn't moved here yet, and said and said, "I want you to move to Texas. I want you to go to Jerry Saville's Bible School, and you will be here for the majority of the rest of your life." So, so for me, um, that's words from God to me. So the thing is, is it says th- throughout throughout that twenty some years. Do you think I've had the enemy to try to come at me to keep me from obtaining what the Lord told me? Yes. Yes, of course. How many people here, you know that God has a call in your life? How many people say that that a course of that, of walking that out, you've messed up? Yeah, I tried try plan B and C and D and E, but I'm so grateful that he got, he got me back to plan A. Because there's things along the way that are going to try to get you off running the race so you don't go the distance. Commitment. So I've had to be committed. I'm committed to, to serving this ministry. I'm committed as a pastor. I'm committed to my wife. I'm committed... And I will do whatever it takes to see the vision on my life fulfilled. Yes. It's the same thing. You need to have a vision on your life. Amen. Being committed is saying I'm determined to win no matter what. It takes an unwavering commi- a commitment. I'm not moving off this and I'm going to carry it to the end. Don't let the enemy tell you that you don't have what it takes. Don't you don't say, well, I'm shy, or I'm this. Man, I, w- I'm, I did not want to talk in front of people, ever. And I'm like, Lord, you sure have a sense of humor. Now I do it like every week. I'm like, I still don't like talking in front of people. Still. You're like, okay. But I know it's part of the assignment on my life. Go to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. I'm trying to go through this too fast, but I believe you're, you're tracking with me here. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Oh, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or an absent, I may hear this of you. Commitment, let me make the statement. And This just came up in my heart as I read that. Read this: commitment is that you will continue on the path, whether the leader's there or not, whether anyone else is looking at you or not. What did he say? Let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Many Paul saying, let your conduct, your mode of living, the way you do things, let it be, let it be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see or an absent, meaning whether I'm with you or not, you're still doing the same thing. We're still doing the same thing. Why? Because you're committed. You're committed. You're going the distance. And he says that I may hear this. I may hear of your affairs. What does he want to hear? That you may stand fast in one spirit. If as a church body, and he's talking, he's speaking to the church of Philippi, and this can also deal with an individual, but he's talking about one body here that we would stand fast in one spirit. That's going to take committed commitment. If I'm going to be committed to, to pastor Phil, we're to strive to to be together. That's going to take commitment. You staying planted in the church that God has called you to is going to take a, a decision of Commitment. Why? Because I know the enemy is going to try to take you away from where you're supposed to be. I've seen it for since since I started passing. I've seen it time and time again that the enemy. Why? Because because it says this is one spirit with one mind, striving together, striving. This is striving is like a word of like running. It's running. It's going. It's progress. It's going somewhere. It's going in a different direct. Going in a certain direction. Striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in now listen to this, in not in any way terrified by your adversary. Don't be terrified by your adversary. Why was he telling that? He was saying, because it's the adversary that was going to keep them from striving together. It's the adversary that goes about as a roaring lion that's trying to devour your purpose, a church's purpose. A minister's mandate, and he says here, don't let the adversary. Don't be te- don't in any way don't be terrified by the adversary. Don't fear what the enemy can do. Don't be afraid of, of, of the next step. Don't be afraid what he's telling you to do. Don't be afraid to step out. If you if fear, if you're terrified of the enemy, then it's going to hinder you from, from taking maybe the next step to get to the next step to go the distance. Do you see that? You're not too sure. You're just listening very intently, right? Your unwavering commitment to win is born out of a sense of urgency. Let me say it again. Your unwavering commitment to win is born out of a sense of urgency Realizing victory doesn't come to those who don't take action. I mean, Jesus made statements like this to his mom and his dad. Didn't you know I must be in my father's house and about my father's business? I must. I must go through Samaria. I must, that's John 4, I must go through Samaria. That's an urgency there. Why? Because he, he was committed to his course. There was commitment on the inside of him. This unwavering commitment that I've got to do this. And that, it's the same thing in our lives. I, I have to place something on my life that I've got to be committed to the word. Because if I'm not committed to the word, I'm not going to fulfill my assignment. It's not going to just happen. I've got to take time. I've got to spend time with the Lord. I've got to spend time with the Holy Spirit. Cuz if I don't, then what's going to happen? There's going to be hindrances. The enemy's going to come. I'm going to stop obeying the truth. I'm going to be terrified by, by the enemy. There's things going to come up, but I've got to be built up on the inside and it takes it takes and, and that inside of being built up is what produces this unwavering commitment. An unwavering commitment that Paul makes demonstrates that you claim what's yours and you're prepared to go the distance. He said, I press towards the mark. I press towards the mark. I press towards the mark. To go the distance, you need to know who you are and who he is. To go the distance, you need to know who you are and who he is. I I'm kind of going a little fast with this, but I think I need to just go into this now. The children of Israel had an assignment. They had an assignment, and it was to go into the promised land. Brother Eric brought some of this up on Sunday morning. He did a great job ministering and ministering that word. And he was he referred to it a little bit and talking about how the Israelites, you know, saw themselves as grasshoppers, right? But yet, when they sent the spies out, when Joshua sent them out, he never asked for their opinion where they could take it or not. He just said, go into that land and tell, tell us if it's what God says it is. He never told them to come back and tell them if they could take it or not. So I want to encourage you, don't tell God what he can do and what he can't do. Or what you can do and what you can't do. But yet, they saw themselves as grasshoppers. They had an image on the inside. If you don't know who you are, you'll never possess the promised land in your life. You'll never get to your destiny. You'll never get to your purpose if all you do is see yourself through the lens of other people. If all you do is see yourself through the lens of of who you were for the last last since you were a child, then you'll never grow beyond that. You'll always be hindered from breaking beyond that because you'll still be and say, "Well." I'm always this way or this is... Well, I've always been afraid of talking in front of people. I've, always been, I've never been bold. I've never been good with money. I've never done that. Why? Because you don't have an image of who you are in God. Right. Amen. And I, we can even take it a step further. I believe for me, the biggest disappointment about them seeing themselves as grasshoppers was not necessarily that they saw themselves as grasshoppers because in the natural, they were a lot smaller than the giant's but I'm so grateful that my faith isn't established in my five physical senses. In the natural, they were smaller. The issue that I had with them is they didn't see their God bigger than the giant's. Yes, it came down to how they they saw themselves, but the issue was they saw themselves small because they couldn't see God bigger than their giants. Where you had David that went out and killed a giant, and yet David was a teenage boy. He had a different perspective. He had a different issue. He had a different mindset because he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? So he had a revelation of who God was, not a revelation of himself. So hear me. If we're going to go the distance, stop trying to find yourself. Stop trying to discover who you are. Discover him and let him tell you who you are. Well, I'm just trying to find my identity. Uh, You don't want your identity. Do, do, Do you see that? There's a lot of things that our world will use and they sound good. They, sound real, they can sound spiritual. Well, I'm just trying to find find myself. I'm just... Sorry. I, I'll, yeah, I'm, let me stay with this. Because if you, what, what happens is if you try to look at yourself compared to the assignment or the enemy, you will be discouraged. Discouragement is like a poison. It will destroy everything around you. Discouragement is deadly, but yet the worst thing is it's subtle and sometimes it sounds good. When discouragement comes, its purpose is to steal and destroy your passion for life, your dreams, your hope, your positive outlook, your relationships, your self-image, and ultimately which hinders your faith. The very word discouragement means to be without courage, which means to be without faith. So ultimately, the children of Israel were discouraged because how they saw themselves. And because how they saw themselves, it brought discouragement, meaning because they were discouraged now, they have no faith. But yet, if they meditated on the God, the God that part of the Red Sea the God that provided in the wilderness, and they started edifying God, the next thing you know, now courage comes. Not because of them, but because of Him. So going the distance is going to be established knowing who you are in Him and knowing Him. If we're going to be successful in any endeavor in life, we will need courage to stand, the courage to persevere, And the courage to be all that God has called us to be. The challenge with discouragement is to never allow it to take root in our lives. Now I'm not saying that you'll never, discouragement won't come. I mean, we've all been discouraged, right? Am I the only one? But the issue is, you can't let it take root in your life. Luke 17, 6, just make note of that. It says, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you would say. It said you would say to this mountain, or say to the sycamine tree, right, be rooted up. So ultimately, if I had faith as a grain of mustard seed, I could change my circumstances. If I had faith, if I had courage... Faith is a grain of mustard seed. I could go the distance. Discouragement. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Now, we know faith, the word is a seed, right? Faith is like a mustard seed. Just bear with me here. So, faith is like a grain of mustard seed. So, if faith, or let me use, because we're using courage and discourage. If faith can be a seed, then courage is a seed. Then lets me know that discouragement can be a seed. Amen. I don't know about you, but I don't want the harvest of discouragement. Right. Faith is the seed, or courage is the seed to a pathway to victory in and through my circumstances. But yet discouragement can be a seed and a pathway to defeat in my circumstances. Let's go to First Corinthians two five. I got two more scriptures. First <clears throat> Corinthians, <clears throat> courage. If I'm going to go the distance, it's going to take courage. First Corinthians two. Verse 5. Hmm. Let's look at verse 4. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and the power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That your courage should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Courage, if I'm going to go the distance, it's going to take courage. But sometimes wisdom of men might sound, well, you, you don't want too much of Jesus. You don't, I mean, you don't want to go to church too much. Wisdom of men is... Don't, don't get too weird. Wisdom of men. Well, um, I've never seen it done like that. Or we've never done it that way. We've never done it that way. Well, who's we? I mean, I could go through a list of what wisdom of man is. The wisdom of men could be maybe the very thing... That he said to Galatians, and he said, You did run well, but who hindered you from obeying the truth? Yes. Do you see that? Yes. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Maybe the, the the what was being preached was the wisdom of men. Sometimes the wisdom it, men can talk you out of going the distance. That your faith, your courage, should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. My wisdom, my courage, my courage—not in the wisdom, of men, but in, in my faith is in the courage. My faith is in the power. My faith is in what God can do. My faith is what God. My faith is in what God can do through me. My faith is in, my faith is in, in the power of God of what how He's going to build this church. How we're going to reach this community. How we're going to change lives. How we're going to go global through, through internet and touch people's lives all over the world. It's not in, not in man, man's wisdom, but in faith in the power of God. It's not my faith in what man can do, but what God can do. Some scriptures that, that can go along with this. My faith being in the power of God. Just make note of Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Romans 8.37, you are more than conquerors. 1 John 5.4, Th- through him, through faith in him, he sees that we are world overcomers. So when you know who God is and who you are in him, you can go the distance. Let me close with this, Isaiah 42. Isaiah, Isaiah 42. Whew, you're getting something out of this. May feel like a fire hose tonight coming out, but (laughs) Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Lord. I'm in Psalms. I need Isaiah. (laughs) I'm like, this this doesn't look right. I'm sure there's there's great things in Isaiah. I mean, Psalms 42, but let's see this. Let's look at verse 1. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I believe it's it's a messianic prophecy about Jesus. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. What what does he say? I have put my spirit upon him. And he, the Messiah, will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. Are you grateful for that? He will not cry out nor raise his voice nor cause his voice to be heard in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. Now look at verse 4. He will not fail. Jesus had an assignment. And Jesus had to go the distance. He will not fail nor be discouraged. So this one that would come and the one that he would put his spirit on him, it says that he would not fail. and he, Nor would he be discouraged. Whoa. Till he's established justice in the earth, meaning that he until he full fills his assignment, this one that's going to come that he's going to put his spirit on. It tells us here that he will not be discouraged, nor will he will not fail, nor will he be discouraged until he's done. I want you to know that if Jesus had the spirit of God upon him, and you and I have the spirit of God upon us, I believe that we have the ability to fulfill our assignment. We have the ability to go the distance and not fail or be discouraged until it's been established. (coughs) You may say, oh, well, pastor, does that mean you'll never make a mistake? See, there you are. Wisdom of men. Why do you bring up something negative when God wants to speak to your destiny? <laughs> we too often like to meditate on all the negatives. Stop rehearsing your past. Stop talking. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Rehearse the miracles that God has done, but sometimes you need to need to stop talking about it and just praise God for it and and go forward. I mean, it in. And we, too, we have to stop re, going in reverse. And we, we too much elevate our weaknesses in our lives instead of saying, wait a minute. If Jesus did this, if, if Jesus was God's servant, and if, Jesus, if, if God put his spirit on, on, on Jesus, and, and he fulfilled his assignment, and he did not fail, or was he discouraged? Till he established justice in the earth. I claim that for me. I claim that for me. Well, does that mean you'll never mess up? Does that mean you'll never fail? I, I'm not going to listen to you. If I do, I'm just going to get up. If I miss it, I'm just going to get up. But why? Why focus on the mistakes? Why focus on what the what ifs? Let's just realize who, who's in us, and let's just be what He's called us to be, and let's go the distance. Amen. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your word tonight. And we thank you for the challenge that it brings. I thank you that it takes us out of mediocrity. It takes us out of average. And it takes us into extraordinary. It takes us out of just barely getting by. It takes us out of, out of the, the, the things that we've held on to and the mistakes we've made. And it puts us on an even plane. It puts us on a path of, of strength and a path of destiny. We will be just like the Apostle Paul. We will be unwaveringly committed and we will, we will not rehearse, we will not look back, but we'll press on to the high calling of God that he has for us in Christ Jesus. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I encourage you, if this ministered to you, go back and listen to it again. This isn't a thing that we can have an altar call for. This is is something that only the Word continue being sowed in your heart can change how you think. Renew your mind to God's purpose and plan for your life. Amen? Amen. Let's give God praise for His Word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the Word. Holy Spirit, I'm thankful. Dear Holy Spirit, I'm thankful that You're our teacher. I'm thankful that You're our teacher. And You're teaching us things that 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 provoke us to change. You're stretching me, Father. I haven't arrived yet, but Lord, I you're 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 teaching and you're bringing us up higher, and stronger. We thank you for it in Jesus' name, Amen.